It is January 23rd, 2023, and welcome to episode 172 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy crises shaking up America and the world. I'm Lester Munson, Senior Fellow at NSI. I'm joined today by Jessica Jones, NSI's Deputy Executive Director, and sitting in for Jamil Jaffer is NSI Senior Fellow Morgan Vigna. Morgan, great to have you with us today. Glad to be here. Okay, so uh, we're talking about a, a very serious and somewhat alarming topic, which is uh, the nation of Haiti. An amazing thing happened last week in Haiti. The term limits of 10 Haitian senators expired, and because there has not been an election in that country for quite some time, there are now no elected Democratic officials in the entire country of Haiti. Uh, the government is being run by an acting prime minister who had been appointed to the job. Uh, the president of Haiti, Jovenel Moise, was assassinated a year and a half ago. Uh, there's other things going on in Haiti that are perhaps even more of a concern. Over 4 million Haitians are facing acute hunger. That's nearly half the country. Cholera, which is normally an easily preventable public health threat, is now uh, re-emerging in Haiti and has to be dealt with by local and international officials. Armed gangs are wreaking havoc on the population with virtual impunity and may be connected to some of the folks who are actually holding power in the country. Uh, this situation makes it almost impossible, in fact, it is impossible to hold elections in Haiti to restore any kind of legitimacy to the government there. So as you can imagine, there's, there's total chaos in Haiti. If Haiti were a person whose uh, behavior we were looking at, we would say that that person had hit rock bottom. It does not appear that there are any other institutions that can fall apart in Haiti. So we've, in, in my view, reached uh, the crisis point in Haiti. The question on the table is, what should the United States and the international community do about it? There has been discussions of a peacekeeping force, whether organized under the United Nations, under a regional grouping, or in some other fashion, perhaps led by Canada, which also has some longstanding ties to Haiti. Uh, so there's a number of uh, debates in the international community about what to do about this crisis. It does not seem that they are being handled with any urgency, although I should point out that it was discussed in the U.S.-Canada-Mexico summit that was held just a few days ago, although with no real outcome here. So, uh, Morgan, I'm going to go to you first. We're thrilled to have you with us. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts about the situation in Haiti and how should the U.S. be responding? Sure. So, look, I mean... Ultimately, is is Haiti the responsibility of other nations, right? And I think, ironically, you know, one could argue that you know throughout the country's history, it's you know the very nations that have sought responsibility for Haiti, which have caused the country's decline. You know, it is a survivor of colonialism. Spain, France, you know, the United States occupied Haiti, taking control of its security and finances for about tw two decades. Um, throughout the years, Haiti has just suffered massive political instability, multiple presidents, presidential assassinations, economic collapse, foreign interference, all of those things that you mentioned, right? The United States in particular, I mean, again, there have been peacekeeping missions after peacekeeping missions in Haiti since the 90s, which the United States has actually contributed about a quarter of that budget. So we just haven't really seen that 
deliver actual stability or security for the country writ large. Jones? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with, you know, what Morgan's pointed out. There is obviously, there is massive resistance to foreign intervention across Haiti, across the capital, across, you know, what are seen as pretty well-respected opposition groups in the country, all co- saying that they don't want foreign in- intervention. The calls in the fall that we saw were actually from the interim uh prime minister that you pointed out. And there's actually, you know, some claims that he's seeking foreign intervention to help him, you know, keep keep his power, right? His, his, his seat on power. Um, he was actually supposed to step down last year and he's just over, he's extended it and says elections will be held this year. But as you pointed out, the instability and insecurity across the, the country makes that hard to see. And so I think, you know, I won't say it's the responsibility of the U.S., but I think anything that we do there, and I put foreign intervention in, in air quotes, requires us first to lay down, you know, an expectation that there's some kind of political framework that's widely, again, put that in air quotes, supported across the country, that so that we're not seen as, you know, favoring one political faction over the other. We're not trying to keep on in power, right? We, we want a democratic future for, the, for Haiti. Yeah, so I'm I'm <clears throat> I think we're gonna have a little vigorous debate here in the next few minutes because I think the situation in Haiti has has moved past all of these concerns about what it'll look like the international community is appearing to do, whether it's appearing to support the acting prime minister Henri or whether it's siding with one particular faction or the other. The simple fact is Every single institution in Haiti has fallen apart. There is no legitimacy at all in the country anymore. The police are not able to handle the armed gangs and the and the violence on the streets. It's it's about as close to total chaos as you can get in the world today. This is this is a country that is a mere 700 miles from Florida. It is in our hemisphere. This is this is the 21st century. We are not supposed to be living in the Stone Age. When there is when there is a, a country in this much distress and we are the big neighbor and we are uh, capable of leading not just the international community, but also the, the regional community, whether it's uh, under the Organization of American States or through CARICOM or through some other mechanism. I think we've got to start showing leadership here and say the time has come to act in Haiti. Yes, we do not want to go in there under in a, under hostile terms. It's going to require a lot of diplomatic effort. But I think the time has come for the U.S. to work with Canada. And I think it's perfectly fine if Canada is taking the lead on a, on a peacekeeping mission. But the time has come to act and to, and to stop the... Uh, the bleeding that is happening in Haiti, because the longer this goes on, the harder it's going to be for anyone to put anything back together. Jones. Yeah, but I mean, so you take that position, even if there's no political support for that in Haiti itself. The people in Haiti do not want to see foreign troops, military support, whatever, however we want it, whatever we're giving them. They don't want that there. How? So you have to do some persuasion, right? We have uh, we have a very large and well-funded State Department uh, with a lot of really smart people who have a lot of language skills and a lot of diplomatic skills. It's time for us to start talking to the people of Haiti. It's time for us to start working with other countries. Yes, we have not a great track record of intervention in Haiti. That's entirely correct. And we need to be mindful of the mistakes that were made in the past and be smart about the way forward. We need to be talking to all the groups. We need to get some buy-in from the opposition. We need to be working as much as we can with with local forces, but I, we need to be very realistic about the fact that it can really cannot get much worse in Haiti. And at this point, we're just we're you know we're looking at more and more dead, more and more of a public health crisis, more crimes against innocent people. It's it is the situation is dire and getting worse. Morgan Munson, I think you have to appreciate the fact that we have, as I said before, have had peacekeeping missions in Haiti 
since the 1990s, right? Peacekeepers serving in Minusta, which was re-upped by the Security Council for 13 years. These peacekeepers were occupying their time literally by raping and exploiting the local population, including young children. Peacekeepers were part of the problem here. Uh, any peacekeeping mission, regardless of how the peacekeepers behave, can only be a Band-Aid approach. It is not a long-term solution. We've shown that peacekeeping has not worked in Haiti. The local population does not want it. The government per, per, perhaps may want it, but would need it, want it for, for political purposes, right? So, look. The argument that has been posed before, as we know, the presence of peacekeepers would provoke, you know, political violence. You know, I think, you know, the gangs on the ground would have to feel threatened first. You know, given the track record of peacekeeper valor in Haiti, I have no doubt that these gangs would uh, not necessarily be triggered by their presence. So I, I think peacekeeping is just not the solution here, regardless of how well-meaning and intentional the, the Canadian peacekeepers are. It's it's just a Band-Aid approach, not a long-term solution for democracy. All right. Uh, we're about to wrap. And I want to say it's time for the Band-Aid. I don't want to wait until it's time for a tourniquet. Okay, that's a wrap. Thanks to Brooke Aga Khan from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Wednesday for another great episode of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debate shaking up America. And if you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.